Well, my portion in this afternoon's session is to deal with a son's royal responsibility to his aged parents. I would say there is no doubt one of the most difficult situations that a man can find himself in is when he is faced with how to take care of his aged parents. I might also add aged in-laws, for instance. Um, no matter how healthy your parents have been, no matter how healthy their life has been, there will no doubt be, at some point, physical, emotional, and mental health issues that we have to wrestle with. And how to care for these aged parents is a question that we're all going to have to deal with. What is the best way to care for them? That's the biggest social dilemma that we, we really face is what's the best way to take care of our aging parents when that time comes? Now, some people um, find that assisted living facilities um, are good and they, they are helpful. That also, though, puts strain on parents um, those parents' resources and creates a, could create a financial burden for the surviving children. The Wall Street Journal recently posted an article titled, U.S. is Running Out of Caregivers. Uh, it quotes statistics that say every day 10,000 people turn 65 and there will be 56 million people 65 and older um, and that was up to 2020. So at, the, at, at 2020, there will be 56 million people 65 and older. This article calls attention to what has been labeled the caregiving crunch. Uh, that's what's happening in our, in our country is that we have a lot of people that are going to need care and there's going to be more people that need care than the ability to take care of them at, for the government to be able to take care of them. So what is going to have to happen is what should happen is that children and grandchildren step up to take care and meet the needs of the generation in front of them. Many people resorting to long-term long care professionals. Now, some people believe it's never appropriate to put mom and dad in a nursing home. Um, I'm not trying to be anybody's Holy Spirit here. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, but I do believe that there are times where facilities are necessary because there are times where a, a grandchildren and children cannot meet the medical needs and the supervision necessary for someone that, let's say, someone who is very, very sick. It, uh, it far outse uh, exceeds the, ca the capacity of the children to be able to, to deal with that. Um, and if that ever is the case, one of the things that we, another thing that that Wall Street Journal article um, talked about was the fact that so many times these people are being put in uh, care facilities and then being abandoned by their families. And so what, what ends up happening is we have elderly isolation that's occurring where people put them in facilities to let other people take care of them and then they isolate them from the world. And so what this article was arguing for that if you find assisted living or some kind of long-term care is necessary in a facility, that it is of vital importance that the grandchildren and children reach out to them and continuously um, have them involved in society. Whether it's taking them out of that facility for an afternoon or a day, spending time with them, making sure that they are still engaged because great depression is going to set in. David Blumenthal writes about how many elderly people are living in social isolation, disconnected from people and society in general. 
Now, some other people say, okay, I, I don't ever want to put aging parents in a facility or assisted living. Um, I'm going to have them come live with us. Uh, that they're going to come live with us. We're going to provide space for them. Um, we're going to, it's going to take a lot of personal time and a lot of commitment. You may have to actually bring in some in-home care. Uh, all of these things we are wrestling with. Um, what to do with the generation that is in front of us. Now, I know some of you men in here um, have already experienced doing this very thing. Your mother-in-law lived with you. Um, Dad, your mother-in-law lived with you for years, and you took care of them, and you, you made sure they had the support that they needed. Um, I know with my grandparents, um, my dad's mom and dad, they didn't want to go live with anybody. They wanted to be in assisted living, and then after that, they wanted to, to be in their own space. They did not want to live with anybody. Well, in that case, I mean, you can't force somebody to come live with you. Um, but what happened was I got to observe my dad going over there and spending time with his father constantly. I got to tell you a story. Um, I would go over there. Um, most of the time, just unannounced. I would just go and spend time with my grandfather. And uh, most of the time, we'd end up talking about he, he would be watching baseball or um, basketball, and so we talk about that. Well, one day I showed up, it was right around lunchtime, so I thought I would sit with him during lunch. And so he, he's in the lunch area, and so I walk in, and I sit down, and I say, hey, Papa, it's, you know, good to see you, and we talk a little bit, and it's just us two. And so we're just talking and chatting. I'm asking, you know, hey, how's your day going? What's going on? Is, you know, uh, who's come to see you lately? And we're just talking, and we start talking about the old times a little bit. And we're just having this really good conversation. Well, then three of his friends that apparently he eats lunch with all you know, rolled up and sat down next to him and the food was about to get served. And so I'm kind of sitting there and he looks at me. He goes, well, I'm going to eat now. Bye. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, love you. See you later. <laughs> so I just left. And, and with, with Meemaw living with us for years, um, Meemaw lived with us at least part time before I ever even left for college um, and then ended up living with us full time after uh, my granddad died. And in the end, uh, Meemaw had taken care of her mother um, in, in her old age. Uh, she did not want to go live in any kind of place. And so my mom and dad took her in. There were challenges involved with all of that, decisions on, on how to take care of her when um, her mind became more uh, fuzzy and she couldn't uh, always remember things and stuff where she couldn't be by herself anymore. So now we had to have people. Amanda came over for days and played hours and hours of Yahtzee with Meemaw. And Meemaw would fall asleep right in the middle of a Yahtzee game and uh, like literally just fall asleep right in the middle of the game. And Amanda would be like, Meemaw, it's your turn. Oh, is it my turn? Uh, or she'd just roll for her sometimes, I guess, and just mark down what she got. Meemaw, you won. She slept through like all the, the entire roll. Um, there's all of those issues rest that we have to wrestle with on how to take care of the generation before us. Um, I, I can say in my own life here as, um, as a staff member, I, I got to watch Brother James, my parents, and David and Nancy all take care of family members that came and lived with them in their homes. I got to see a beautiful example uh, of how this should work. Um, I'm not giving advice today on how to handle every situation with aging parents and grandparents. It's not what this time is going to be. But what I do want to do is I do want to spend some time talking about the biblical and God-given mandate that, men, that God has given men to care for aged family members. So turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 
And, and this text is really interesting because it's actually a text talking about taking care of widows. And what would often happen in society is that a, a woman would lose her husband. And if in kind of what we talked about today, this was not a society that, was, that favored women. Okay, so if you no longer had a man or you, and you no longer had children or a son that could take care, care of you and you were not financially well off, then you were going to be a woman who was now destitute. And that was going to be a problem. A, a destitute widow was going to be a serious problem. And so what happens is, is Paul is writing to Timothy to tell Timothy, here's how the church is supposed to deal with this situation. But in doing this, what Paul also does is he also says, but here's how families are supposed to take care of these women so that the church doesn't have to if they're capable of doing it, if they have families. So I want to read this and kind of just talk through it a little bit and kind of just point to a few things that I think will be very helpful for us. So let's start in verse 3 of chapter 5, 1 Timothy. It says, honor widows who are truly widows. That seems weird. Honor widows who are truly widows. Not those fake widows out there. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is, is self-indulgent is dead even where she, while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, and especially members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. First, Paul says, honor is to be given to widows. Um, my first point is, honor is to be given to aging parents. The word honor here, that is used. It is the same word that is used when it talks about honor. Double honor is, is to be given to elders. This is not just talking about respect. Okay, it's not just talking about this level of reverence that you might have for um, or respect that you might have for um, people that are um, ahead of you in some in in some kind of submissive order. Whether it's elders, whether it's uh, parents. This, this is not what that word means. This word actually means to support. Or sustain. So when, for instance, when we talk about the church's responsibility to support and sustain the needs of the, the pastors of the church, it says, Paul says that a, an elder is worthy of double honor. They are worthy of making sure they are taken care of and supported and sustained so they can focus, focus on the needs of the church, right? Here, the same word is being used. It's saying there is a special care there is a special sustaining and providing for and support that widows are supposed to get. Not just, you know, we just want to honor those women. No, no, no. It is we are going to take care of those women. So if there are women in the church who are without family, widowed and destitute, it falls upon the responsibility of the church to make sure they're taken care of. Okay, we have a couple situations like that where we have to provide time at different times for uh, a few women in our church who are raising their grandchildren and, um, and don't have support from, from children and grandchildren themselves. They're actually still supporting children and grandchildren. And the church has to step in at times and help, um, help with certain needs. And then Paul adds, who are widows indeed? And that's what he means. What he means is, he's not saying, well, if you lost a husband, 
you know, you're not, there's, there's some that have lost their husbands that are real widows and some that lost their husbands that aren't real widows. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is widows indeed is a phrase that basically means they're unable to take care of themselves. Society is going to see this person as one who cannot take care of themselves, nor do they have any resources around them that can help take care of them. This is a woman who is in destitute. This is a woman who is in, in, in real need. Okay? And so he's making a, a difference here between widows who are truly in need with no family, they, and they need to be taken care of by the church, and then other widows who what? This is where he says, other widows who have children and grandchildren. So he's not saying that they're not widows. He's saying they're not in the same situation that the, the widow that's destitute is because they got family. And so what Paul says is, if a widow has children and grandchildren, those children and grandchildren are to take care of that woman. It does not fall on the responsibility of the church to take care of this person when they have family that are supposed to take care of them. Okay, can you imagine the, the burden that the church would be under if the church had to support all the widows that they lost their husbands? Okay, it, it can't work. It's not a sustainable model for that to happen. So if you have family... That's the type of widow that Paul is saying, those children and grandchildren step up to take care of them. Now, Paul says two things about the role of children and grandchildren here that I think are important. One, he says, in verse 3, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household. The word first there is not talking about, you know, uh, not some kind of sequential order. It's talking about priority. That word is talking about priority. And so it's saying, listen, this is a priority one issue. This is a top-notch priority one issue. That every child and grandchild needs to learn and understand. It is a priority that you take care of aged generations in front of you that need your help. And to abandon them... All right, is, as we're going to see in a minute, dishonors God. And so the first thing is, God puts this language of first here, let them first learn to show godliness in their own family, this word of priority. It is utmost importance. If you claim to be spiritual and a godly person, but you fail in this area, then you have failed in one of the priorities of your Christian walk. Listen to that. If you fail to support, to provide the special care, okay, and again, a bunch of different decisions have to be made on how that's supposed to take place. But if you do not step up to do that, whatever that may mean in different situations, you are failing in one of your priorities as a Christian. That's huge. That's a huge statement. It's similar to what I said this morning about loving your, your wives. If you claim to love God, but don't agape your wife, then you're, not, you're not living it right. Well, if you claim to love God, but you are not going to take care of the generations in front of you, you're blowing it. You're blowing it. 
You're failing in one of the top responsibilities you have as a Christian man. The second thing he says, he says, so you learn first to show godliness to your own household. Then he says, and to make some return to their parents. Your parents, my parents, sacrificed, served, and loved you when you were at your most vulnerable. All of us, our parents sacrificed for us when we were at our most vulnerable. When we could not take care of ourselves at all, we were completely dependent upon them. We're alive today because somebody fulfilled that role. May not, may not have been a biological parent. It may have been an adoptive parent, whatever it may be. But somebody stepped in in that parent role to protect, provide, and sacrifice for you when you were in your most vulnerable position. What Paul is saying is, this is a love debt that you now owe. This is a love debt that you now owe. Um, my kids are a little bit older, but you know, we just found out that Eden is diabetic. And that, that puts us in a position where there's a lot more sacrifices that we're making and figuring things out and having to, 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 to live life different. Um, those of you that still have really, really small kids, um, you're in the midst of realizing, like, if I don't take care of this kid, this kid's going to kill himself. I mean, he's going to jump, jump downstairs. He's going to, I mean, uh, Jackson, for the, for, there was a year straight where I promise you, Jackson was on the floor more than he was walking. The kid would run, and he just would fall. And I'm like, this kid is going to, and a bunch of times running toward the stairs, I would see you snatch him up. Like, do you understand that you're about to launch yourself off these stairs? Well, we, we do that in all kinds of ways. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, this was a love debt. Your parents, your parents have basically earned your love to take care of them now. When they're in a position of need, when they're in a position to be taken care of, they did it for you. My, I remember my mom and dad talking about it being, it's a full cycle. It comes back around, right? Where my mom and dad were taking care of Meemaw the way Meemaw took care of my mom when she was little. It comes full circle. And Paul is saying, this is a love debt that should be paid. You are to, the language that he uses, make some return to their parents. Second thing I want you to see, not only is honor, honor to be given to aging parents, that special care, that support, that provision, honoring aging parents honors the Lord. Paul says, for this is pleasing, in verse 4, in the sight of God. This is pleasing. Could be translated, it is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord. There is no question, gentlemen, what God expects from us. Okay? Nothing that we've talked about today, um, as Brother James, is, Brother James says, is difficult for us to understand. It is not difficult to understand we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It's not difficult to understand that we are to raise our children up in the fear and admission of the Lord. To set the example and to exhort them. It is not difficult to understand that we need to provide special care for those who are the generation ahead of us in our families. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's easy to understand. It doesn't mean it's easy. But there's no question... God expects us to take care of our aging family members. 
This is what God desires for us. This is the work He has given us to do. I said this today, and this needs to be reiterated over and over and over again. Jesus is not here in the flesh. If Jesus walked in this room in the flesh, we'd all be jumping up to serve Him, wouldn't we? Like, what do you need? Yeah, you know, we can go get you something to eat. Do you, you need to come to my house and rest? or Whatever, Jesus, you need. We're, we're here to provide it for you. But Jesus isn't here in the flesh. But what He does have on earth is His bride, is His body. And the way that we serve God is by serving His people. That's the way we serve God, is by serving His people. So if we're going to claim that we love Jesus, and then Jesus says, okay, if you love me, then you got to take care of my, my bride. And if you've got family members that need taken care of, it is your responsibility, it is pleasing in the sight of God for you to serve them. And serving them is serving Jesus. Honoring them is honoring Jesus. Okay, so when you honor your wife, you're honoring Jesus. When you honor your children, you're honoring Jesus. When you honor your parents and your grandparents ahead of you, you are honoring Jesus. It starts with our family. And then lastly, honoring aging parents is a fruit of the faith. I'm going to skip the part where he talks about um, truly a widow being left all alone, set her hope on God and continue, because this is not a topic, this isn't a conversation about widows, but I want to jump down to verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own household, probably, probably we could translate that, um, if you don't take care of your relatives, especially your immediate family, right? That's kind of like, if you don't take care of your family, especially your, your immediate family, your parents, your grandparents, like those that are close to you, he says, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Any confessing believer who does not provide for his family in this way has denied the faith. And I want to talk about what he means when he says deny the faith. I don't think he means you've lost your salvation. Okay? I don't think he means, oh, it means you're not saved. Here's what I think he means by that. He means you are denying the principle of love and compassion that the gospel is based on. The gospel of Jesus Christ is based on the love and compassion of Jesus. And for you to deny taking care of your family members that are ahead of you in age, you are denying the faith and the basis of the gospel, which is the love and compassion of God. You're not exemplifying the faith that you claim to believe. Because if you were, love and compassion would rule. Christianity has always been based upon love and compassion. You know, we don't think about it too often because we just rattle off different hospitals, right? But you do know that tons of our hospitals, that, that money has been raised and supported by the church. Presbyterian Hospital. Well, guess who raised a bunch of the money for that hospital? The Presbyterian Church. Okay? Baylor. Baptist. Right? We, we, uh, Saxie just got a new one called, I haven't even found out who it is yet, but Saxie just got a new one called the Trinity Hospital. Um, I need to find out who, what church was behind supporting that. Okay? Um, the church is always taking care of the widows and the poor in their congregation. 
The, the church, the foundation of the church is love and compassion for those that can't for themselves. And so to look at family members who need that love and compassion and to reject that is to reject the, the foundation of Christianity at its core. Because Jesus was full of love and compassion and we're denying that. And that's why he says you're worse than an unbeliever. And here's why. Because there was, even in the Greek culture, in the Roman culture, there was axioms for taking care of people like this. There were actually statements that they had for taking care of people like this. And so basically what Paul is telling Timothy is, listen, even the pagans do better than abandoning their aged. The pagans do better than this. So if you, if you deny people that have the gospel, deny the love and compassion that our faith represents, then we're worse than the pagans are. Because even they will do that and they don't even have the gospel. We have, we've known the love and compassion and we're not willing to share it? You hardly need to be a Christian to do this, is what Paul's saying. I think this is a... This is something I've, I have really thought through over the last few years. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't have 401ks and we shouldn't have saving accounts and we shouldn't um, set up some means to when we are at a certain age, we've got provisions where we don't put a huge burden on our own children with that, that um, when your children and grandchildren step up to help, they have means, okay? But that may not always be the case. And what I, what I think I'm arguing for from Scripture is that you shouldn't be upset that they don't have that and be like, well, they should have saved. If they would have saved better and if they would have had, this wouldn't be. The attitude is love and compassion and stepping up when people are in need. So I'm going to waste all my money and just trust that Caden's going to take care of me. And uh, that ain't funny. Andy's probably going to take care of me. Caden's going to take care of his mama. Um, again, all of these things that we've talked about here today, none of them will be easy on us. And that is why it is vital, as I said this morning, that we learn these at the feet of Jesus that we spend time at the feet of Jesus learning what it means to love. Everything's been about love today. Loving your wife, loving your children, loving your parents and grandparents. What does that look like? How is that fleshed out? The way we learn that is at the feet of Jesus. And the way that we learn to what it looks like and the wisdom that it's going to take to flesh all this out is at the feet of Jesus. He did it perfectly. He did it perfectly. Uh, we even have Jesus making sure that his mother's taken care of when he, go, when he dies. He looks at John and says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Even in his moment of death, he demonstrated this care and concern for his mother. I mean, he was saving the world and still thought special care for his mother, special honor for his mother. As he's saving the world, he's making sure his mother is taken care of. He wasn't just going to abandon her. We learn this at his feet.